AFC West champions and capturing the number two seed. That is how you start the new year. Happy New Year to all of you. I'm Farzine Vasugian. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Chiefs Zone podcast. I said it. I said last podcast, I said the Chiefs will win the AFC West and capture that number two seed after really what had happened with the opportunity, the injury, really. And look, I mean, I mean, you never should root for an injury, but it is part of the sport. And unfortunately, these December games, the intensity is so high that when these playoff races heat up, everyone's playing a lot harder. And plus, it's a long season, so all these players... Uh, just playing hard. It's 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 a final stretch. You've gone through a lot. Nobody's body is really as at a hundred percent. And you saw it with Derek Johnson, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, that was a, a tough blow for the Chiefs, especially just inside. And the Chiefs kind of dealing with a little bit of injuries at linebackers. We saw Daddy Nicholas go down. We saw Ramick Wilson briefly have to step away uh, from, from the field, have to go to the sidelines for a moment, but. Uh, it, it, it's a tough uh, time of the year, especially if you will, regardless whether you're going to the playoffs or not, I was going to say especially if you're going to the playoffs, but the thing is, if you're going to the playoffs, you know, you're going to need to find someone from your practice squad or off the street to fill in for you so you can try to have at least something at that position. If you suffer a season-ending injury in December and your team's not going into the playoffs, well, you, you, I mean, the team's going to be in off-season mode soon anyway, but I, those December injuries, they, they just suck because depending on the injury, you may not be able to participate in OTAs or even training camp or the preseason or the start of the next regular season. So, uh, I mean, listen, I, I remember... The incident with RG3 when Mike Shanahan was the head coach and how he was playing, I mean, really injured. And I thought, you don't you do not do that to your quarterback. Yes, it's the playoffs. Yes, it's a huge moment. But you don't, you don't let him go out there and get hurt, not just for that game, but even for the future. Honestly, I, I really feel like RG3, who, of course, won Rookie of the Year uh, his season in 2012, had he been used correctly in that game, I think... Uh, we, we could have seen, uh, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I think he could have had a better career. I, I don't think he would have ever left Washington, but, you know, things happen. And the whole thing with the Derek Carr injury, obviously you don't root for an injury like I was saying earlier, but in the NFL and, and in all of sports, injuries are part of the sport. Look at the UFC this year. Nate Diaz and Michael Bisping, they had to fill in because... Luke Rockhold, or pardon me, Chris Weidman and Rafael Dos Anjos, those two fighters had to pull out and with about two weeks lotus or less, Nate Diaz went in there, pulled off a huge upset against Conor McGregor and Michael Bisping, uh, who actually got, he actually got a title match opportunity because someone got injured. So listen, uh, the, the whole, the Chiefs, after the Titans game, You can say the Chiefs won the AFC West because Derek Carr got injured. That is a fact right there. In the in sports, you just take care, take advantage of these injuries. Just like I I mentioned with the UFC fighters, Michael Bisping winning the uh, UFC uh, middleweight title. He won that because somebody else got hurt, so he got to step in. And guess what? Even though he did it with just two weeks' notice, he captured the title and became the new and still is the middleweight champion. So. Uh, in sports, you just take advantage of these kinds of things. How, how many times have we seen... Listen, Tony Romo, I, I think he's a great example. Tony Romo filled in because of an injured player. And then because of his injury, Dak Prescott got the opportunity to start. And look at the things that he was able to do. Tony Romo's no longer playing because the Cowboys found their new QB and Dak Prescott. So yes, the AFC West, after that loss of the Titans... You could say that Derek Carr's injury uh, pretty much opened the door for the Chiefs to win the division. That's one of the first things I tweeted after it had happened. The Colts came close to uh, uh, coming back. You know, Matt McGloin. By by the way, Matt McGloin going down and Connor Cook now filling in, and the Raiders only came away with six points against the Broncos. I I think the Broncos' defense is good. I mentioned last podcast uh, they're no pushover, so. 
especially with a backup quarterback, the, the Broncos are definitely going to take advantage, and they certainly did in that game in helping the Chiefs uh, win the AFC West. So the, these kinds of things happen. You just take advantage of it. Injuries are unfortunately part of this sport, and you want to talk about injuries, you know, I, I get it, the quarterback position is the biggest position, but the Chiefs have dealt with a ton of injuries themselves, they won the AFC West this year without really their best offensive and defensive players, Jamal Charles played a little bit in the in the Pittsburgh Steelers loss in week four, and then played a little bit against the Oakland Raiders, unfortunately, Charles, uh, couldn't play the rest of the year because he still had issues with his knee with the with the with the swelling there. Justin Houston, yeah, he he had a couple big games, one against the Denver Broncos and also uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, but he's been inactive the last couple of games. He did not play for a majority of this season. So uh, the Chiefs won the AFC West without their best offensive and defensive players. And that's not that's not a knock on those guys to say that the Chiefs could you know that's not a knock to say that those guys, they should be let go and get draft picks for them. No, not at all. You absolutely need those guys. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, Jamal Charles, he's not going to be able to participate in the postseason for the Chiefs, but Justin Houston, which we'll get to later, probably not this podcast, maybe we'll do it later in the week, but Andy Reid did mention that, you know, he expects Justin Houston and Eric Berry, who had a heel injury, uh, which reports say that it was precautionary, Uh, those guys should be set. And by the way, having that bye week, that's huge. That is the big bonus right there for the Chiefs. So, and by the way, Andy Reid's record coming off a bye week in the postseason, 3-0. A lot is made of his regular season success after a bye week, which is 16-2. He's 3-0 with the Eagles doing so in 2002, 2003, and 2004. And uh, Andy Reid's been great in the playoffs for, for the Philadelphia Eagles and for the Chiefs, too. He went 10-9 and with the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, led them to a lot of NFC title games. Uh, just looking at the list, one, two, three, four. Uh, they went to four straight NFC title games, finally won it in 2004. When they went on to play the Patriots, so and also play the Arizona Cardinals in 2008 in the NFC title game as well. So five NFC championship appearances and a Super Bowl appearance for the Eagles. Only thing Andy Reid did not do with the Eagles was win a Super Bowl. Finished 10 and nine with the Eagles. He is one and two as the Chiefs head coach in the postseason, and also of course gave Kansas City uh, its first postseason win in 22 years and now hoping to give the Chiefs their first home postseason win in 23 years. Uh, Kansas City's, uh, the last time they won a postseason game before last year was 1994, also the same year they had a home postseason win. So it's been a long time since uh, the Chiefs won a football game in the playoffs at Arrowhead Stadium, so it would be nice to do it. And the last time uh, the Chiefs, of course, had a bye week was in 2003, the phenomenal year offensively and on special teams with Trent Green, Priest Holmes, Dante Hall, Tony Gonzalez, just a really a magical year for the Chiefs that season. And uh, you know, I've got to say, that's the last time I truly felt like the Chiefs had a legitimate shot at, uh, at a Super Bowl. And that's crazy to say because they didn't win that football game, uh, whereas last year's Chiefs team, they, of course, won a game in the playoffs. Uh, this year's Chiefs team, the thing that I was so critical of with Andy Reid was the fact that this Chiefs team had not won a lot of games against quality opponents going into the playoffs. 2014, they beat the, the, the they beat a lot they beat on some good teams. They destroyed the Patriots. They defeated the Seahawks, the two teams that went to the Super Bowl that year. And they also beat a lot of teams that were competing for a wild card spot. So, I mean, the, the Broncos of course were expected to win the division, but for the Chiefs, winning against a lot of AFC wild card contenders was big because they would have the tiebreaker against a lot of those teams, and unfortunately, the Chiefs did not pull through and finish uh, with a wild card spot. Finished nine and seven. They had to rely on some other teams in Week 17, uh, but of course, didn't go their way. Whereas in 2013 and 2015, they lost against teams above 500 and just beat up on a bunch of terrible teams. And look, I even I even admitted it in those years. 
the thing about this Chiefs team this year and something that I was proven wrong about it. I said the Chiefs were going to be 7-9 before the season. I was really nervous about the schedule because the Chiefs were going up against a lot of great players, a lot of great teams. And by the way, uh, something worth noting with the Chiefs, they were 7-3 and three this season against NFL quarterbacks that finished in the top 10 and passing touchdowns. So they won against Rivers twice. They won against Derek Carr twice. They also defeated uh, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, and Andrew Luck. They lost the quarterbacks that finished in the top 10 in passing touchdowns against Roethlisberger, Mariota, and Winston. Now, it is worth noting that uh, I believe it's Mariota who is tied 10th with two other quarterbacks. So, there are 13 quarterbacks that are in the top 10 in passing touchdowns, and there are some ties right there. So, 7-3 uh, and three against teams that finish in the top 10 in passing touchdowns. 4-0 and oh against quarterbacks that finish in the top 5 in that category. So... Uh, you just look at the success that the Chiefs have had against some of these high-powered passing offenses, uh, and that's how the league works nowadays. I mean, we've got these crazy video game-like kind of uh, league, basically, where uh, quarterbacks are just airing the ball out. We don't see a lot of run-first teams in the NFL these days. Uh, even w- ever since Andy Reid got here, even with Jamal Charles, the Chiefs became a pass-first team and uh, still use Jamal Charles quite a lot in the passing game, but uh, they, didn't, they didn't run the ball as much as uh, Todd Haley did or as Herm Edwards, Dick Vermeil did. And, of course, that was also a, a, a different era, a much different time. And, of course, there goes my phone. See, I, I used to do this anytime my phone would go off. I would actually delete what, whatever part of the recording where the phone went off. Uh, nowadays, you know, I've been doing this podcast for so long that if I forget to uh, silence my phone, I, that just deserves to go over the podcast. But uh, back to my point, th- th- my, my thing with the Chiefs this year is this team did not beat a, beat a, a lot of teams with credentials, essentially. Playoff credentials. The the years they went to the playoffs. 2014 they did, but couldn't even get to the to the playoffs. And I know a lot of Chiefs fans were bragging that year. Oh, well, we beat the two teams in the Super Bowl. Great. You didn't even meet the day the day in playoffs. So what does that even matter? Like, sure, you, I mean, you can beat the five best teams in the NFL. The, the, the five teams with the best record. If you don't make the playoffs, that doesn't mean a single thing. So in 2013 and 2015, when the Chiefs made the playoffs, great. But I just didn't have, and now I'll say this, I don't have a bias on this because, you know, I cover the Chiefs and I've always been a fan of this team, uh, so I guess I, I get too amped up also when I predicted that they would still win their playoff games that they ended up losing, uh, but at the same time, with 2013 and 2015, I did not have this uh this thought that the Chiefs could really go for the Super Bowl. I, I, I just wasn't that confident in the Chiefs' ability to do so. 2003, that's the last time I truly felt that. And I think a lot of people did as well because that was a really good year for the Chiefs. The, the defense wasn't great, but that Chiefs offense, uh, I mean, they were able to do a lot of damage on some really good teams, which was enough to help them uh, make it to the playoffs and get that number two seed. Now, if you guys want to interact with me on social media, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine or search my name, Farzine Vesugian, or follow me on Twitter at Farzine21 or do both of them. Why not that? Uh, that is how you can get in touch with me on social media. Love the interaction, as always, with you guys. And uh, it's a very exuberant fan base and a group of players as well for the Chiefs. Uh, and, of course, you, you know, you, you needed some help in, in Week 17 to get that number two seed. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. A lot of teams find themselves in those positions to either get a better seed or even just make the playoffs. And if I can give any advice to Chiefs fans, and if you're also a Royals fan, you can relate to this. But I just think fans need to really chill out and relax. I get it. I mean, Alex Smith didn't have uh, the the greatest year uh, for a football team entering the playoffs. I mean, yeah, he had two touchdowns. I had that pick, the the pick six. I'll I'll get to that in a minute because uh, a lot's made of of that. And and I know Alex Smith, I I think it's his fourth consecutive game where he's had an interception. But uh, 
this season for Alex Smith, 15 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Uh, it's, it's, it's not the prettiest number to have. It's not the prettiest touchdown INT ratio you want going into to the playoffs. Now, I do think those numbers are a little misleading. I don't think they tell the whole story for this Chiefs offense and really what they're capable of. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, you you look at this offense and what they're capable of. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talent on this offense. Uh, there really is. And I think the last couple of games, something that I have noticed, because Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill have been your two biggest playmakers on offense uh, this season, especially Tyreek Hill in the second half of the season, I think defenses have focused so much on those guys that there have been opportunities that open up for Jeremy Macklin, uh, who, of course, is your number one wide receiver, and defenses are always going to take notice in your number one wideout. But even guys like Chris Conley, Demetrius Harris, who, who's been coming through lately for the Chiefs, uh, Albert Wilson, DeAnthony Thomas, you're seeing other players uh, step up and, and help move the football for the Chiefs' offense. Uh, Charkandrick West, who wasn't really as dominant like he was last year when he filled in for Jamal Charles. He really came through in this game. I, I I thought he had a nice game against the San Diego Chargers. Ran for 58 yards and also was effective catching the football. Yeah, also had 58 receiving yards. So had more than 100 total yards of offense in this game off of 21 touches. And that is what you want from, from your running backs. And I wish they did that more with him earlier this year because I was starting to wonder, you know, What's going on with Chark and Request? Why aren't we seeing much of him? And, you know, it's not like there was a... I mean, it's not like he was buried in the depth chart. Jamal Charles played for only, what, two games? So you had Spencer Ware and Chark and Request as your top two running backs. And I know Niall Davis got some playing time in this game because Spencer Ware was inactive. But And I don't know the story with Niall Davis. He's kind of had an interesting career really an interesting season too with the fact that he got traded signed by the Jets cut by them and then ended up back in Kansas City uh which which you know I I think that also says something about him personally too he can set aside his his ego and any I I I guess his feelings weren't hurt I guess he has thick skin I maybe maybe that's what I'm trying to say about Niall Davis Uh, bottom line is he came back to the team that traded him just two weeks prior so overall, I think that there is some potential with him. We've seen Niall Davis have some really great games, but I know his fumbling is an issue. He's a great special teams player. I'm all I'm completely for Tyree Kill not being the kick returner, but I'm not sure why Niall Davis isn't getting a lot of kick returns this year. So, I mean, he's proven to be great in that. Of course, he had that big. Uh, a kickoff uh, return uh, for a touchdown to start off the game against the Texans in the playoffs, uh, which that itself was more than enough to defeat the Texans. Uh, this is, to, to me, you've got a good group of running backs, and we haven't necessarily seen that. Tyreek Hill, he's he's a running back slash wide receiver. We've seen him uh, run the ball quite a bit more lately for the Chiefs, so uh, I know he's part of the mix too. I mean, he, he he's doing more of that. DeAnthony Thomas, uh, of course, was a great running back at Oregon. Uh, been used more as a wide receiver for the Chiefs, doing a uh, doing a few things at running back, kind of like Dexter McCluster, but just never ha- has been able to come through fully as an offensive player. Uh, my, my, my point being there with, with this offense, you truly do have lots of talent on this team. Travis Kelsey, quiet game, you know that, 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 that's fine. Chris Conley stepped up, four catches, fifty-five yards. Macklin also had four catches in this game for more than fifty yards. Tyreek Hill was able to do his thing. Five uh, receptions for 46 yards, and of course, uh, took a punt return, fielding it at the at the five yard line, taking it to the house. Uh, I, I tweeted this, but I, in the moment I questioned it, why is he return? Why is he fielding the punt at the five? I mean, even with I guess now I won't ever question why he does it, but we've kind of seen some scary moments from Tyree Kill and how he's fielded punts, especially deep in Kansas City's territory. He, I think he thinks too much about the return before actually securing possession of the football on the return when he fields it. Uh, but able to do so that time, stiffing, uh, doing a stiff arm on his own teammate Steve Nelson to get through uh, after almost going out of bounds. But uh, offensively, five catches, able to help the offense in this game. So even your best players will have quiet games from time to time. And there's no, no nothing wrong with that. You have that 
with every key player. Look at look at all the Pro Bowlers this year. I guarantee you, whoever is the MVP, the Offensive Player or Defensive Player of the Year, you look at all 16 of them, they didn't have 16 perfect games. They probably had one or two games that they would like to forget. And this is one of those games for Travis Kelsey where he had just one catch for eight yards in this game. So overall, this Chiefs team, there are a lot of weapons on offense in which you can step up, come through, and 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 dominate. And you know, like I was saying, I know I got sidetracked, but the whole season with the Chiefs, you know, those losses against the Bucks and the Titans, just the way Chiefs fans panicked. And I know Royals fans did the same thing with Johnny Cueto. I mentioned, you know, if you're a Royals fan, you can relate. The Royals still won the World Series. The Chiefs still won the AFC West and won 12 games. I understand that this 12-win season was a stressful... Usually, if you win 12 games, you should win the division by two games. The Chiefs were tied with the Raiders. The Raiders are a wildcard team now with 12 wins. Now, I don't think that matters a whole lot because... At this point, this Raiders football team without Derek Carr, I think they're going to be a one-and-done team in the in the postseason this year, unfortunately. And I was really looking forward to a, a third round between the Chiefs and the Raiders, but I don't think that happens anymore. With the Chiefs, listen, you'll lose a couple games. Even the best teams lose a couple games. And you're going to lose a game or two that you probably should not have lost. And that was the case this year for the Chiefs, losing to the Buccaneers and the Titans, which, by the way, those are teams that came through and had a nice second half of the season to, to to at least compete for a playoff spot. So it's not like the Chiefs lost to a team that uh, had one of the five worst records in the NFL this season. It's not like that at all. So this Chiefs team, with everything they've done this year, I'm pretty content. With the, the the record being two and two going into the bye week, I, I had some question marks. I, I questioned the offense, which I, I think people still do, and, and part of that has to do with the the interception that Alex Smith threw. I, I don't think it was some of the interceptions he's thrown. I don't think they've been horrible necessarily. He's been taking more shots down the field, so when you do that, you're going to have balls that get picked off. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bash Alex Smith for that. People have been bashing Alex Smith for not taking shots downfield, and now he with the the past year and a half he's been doing more of that so that's what we that's what we want from Alex Smith and now that he's doing that you know the, there's a more of a chance that those balls get picked off and because of that I mean Chiefs fans just end up being more critical so I you know Alex Smith again the the 15 touchdowns and eight interceptions that's that's not necessarily the most exciting statistic to have as a QB going into the playoffs, but I'll take it still. He's He has one of the best winning percentages by a quarterback, a starting quarterback, since 2011 for a reason. And people want to say, oh, it's because he's on great defenses. Well, listen, Tom Brady's been on great defenses too. I know he's been making plays far more than Alex Smith. I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to compare the two, but... You know, any quarterback who who has a high winning percentage similar to Alex Smith's or just right behind him or ahead of him, whatever the the number is, those are guys who are also on great teams with good defenses and great talent around them. So, uh, you know, I I don't don't really find that as a strong argument. Uh, Alex Smith, you know, sure, he's going to be at the right place at the right time, and rightfully so. So uh, I'm pretty happy with Alex Smith for the most part coming into this game. The way he's been able to run the football, too, with his feet, we haven't seen a lot of that. The way he's done it the last two weeks for the Chiefs, getting uh, even a touchdown uh, running the football in. So uh, the Chiefs can beat you in a lot of ways. And I know that the Chiefs are that offense that you just don't know. Because the way they won against the, the Broncos, the Falcons, and I'll even say the Panthers and the Chargers the first time. And look, I'll even include the Jets game because that was kind of a weird game where the offense didn't do a lot despite getting eight turnovers in that game. This Chiefs team, in my opinion, outside excluding New England because we know what New England's capable of, I think the Chiefs are the scariest team to go up against because you truly don't know their identity. At least with the Patriots, you know what they're going to do. They've got Tom Brady. They're going to air it out. They're going to air it out as much as they can, even without Gronk. With the Chiefs, I think there's just a 
big mystery right there. You can study all the game film in the world you want. That that you you can find all the games. But you just don't know what the Chiefs are really going to do. And I think Andy Reid's crazy play calling from time to time, I think that even plays a role in it. Because we've seen it we we, we saw this Chiefs team in 2013 the offense was really non-existent for a majority of the season, and then it, come playoff time, they put up 44 on the scoreboard against the Colts. Now I know the the final result wasn't what we wanted, but th- th- that this Chiefs team comes alive come postseason time. We saw it in the in the game against the Texans, a shutout win to move on to the divisional round and, and visit the New England Patriots. So to me, this Chiefs offense, there's a lot to work with here. And again, I've said it before with the with the talent here. I know I keep saying this, hoping the Chiefs offense lives up to its potential and be able to use these guys. But we've kind of seen it the last two games, haven't we? I mean, we're seeing guys like Albert Wilson, who had a 42-yard catch and run in this game. Chris Conley, Charkandrick West, who had a pair of touchdowns on the same play, by the way, the same design for those two touchdowns, which, by the way, is the reason Mike McCoy got fired. Uh, Alex Smith also had the same rushing touchdown he had last week against the Broncos. You have to study game film and just be prepared for that. And that tells you just how poorly coached the Chargers were. And that's a big reason why McCoy has been fired. So overall, this Chiefs team on offense, there's a lot of talent around to work with. Conley, I mentioned, uh, Macklin now coming back after missing uh, about a month. With an injury, he—I mean—he's turning. He's returning more to his number one wide receiver form. Uh, there's a lot of talent on this offense, and I guarantee you, Travis Kelsey is going to have more than a catch and two targets. Whoever the Chiefs play in the divisional round, whether it's going to be Oakland, Houston, or Pittsburgh. Switching to the defensive side of things, l- listen. Uh, I, I think Ramick Wilson—he's done a really good job filling in for Derek Johnson, even playing alongside Derek Johnson too. Uh, and hopefully he he learned what he needed to from, from DJ. I know he's still part of the team and helping the guys out as much as he can. Uh, but but this front seven is, is still very dangerous. You, you, you've lost some key players in DJ, Jay Howard, Allen Bailey. I mean, some some really good defensive players uh, up front for the Chiefs. But Chris Jones, he, he's rose to the occasion. He's been really good for the Chiefs. Uh, Rakeem Yunus Roaches, he's also been, he's had, he's shown some flashes, maybe not as great as Allen Bailey or a Jay Howard, but he's still come through, and you can't forget about Dontari Poe through the middle, he's a huge reason why Justin Houston and Tom Bahali have had some of the best seasons of their careers the past couple of years, uh, since he got to, to Kansas City. And I think even then, well, you know, you kind of saw with Philip Rivers th- throwing those two interceptions, uh, this pass rush, uh, they'll uh, they'll force some ill-advised passes. I know the Rivers didn't get sacked in this game; had a clean jersey from start to finish. But overall, you know, come, come playoff time, I think you're going to see a more ferocious pass rush. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that Justin Houston wasn't in this game or in the last game, so he's going to be there. You have Tom Bahali, who I know isn't playing every single snap, but even when he's out there, he's able to. to to beat some offensive tackles and try to put some pressure on the quarterback. D. Ford, I know he's been really quiet. He hasn't had a sack in a long time. But even in this game, he actually did beat out some offensive tackles in this game, came close to a couple of sacks. So you have a much better... Where were you a year ago? I know Justin Houston had that injury. You have a much better D. Ford than you did last year. Ramick Wilson, I think he's making some plays. Eric Berry has been tremendous this year as a safety. He's really pulled through for this defense when they needed it the most. Daniel Sorensen, a guy who... Uh, I, I kind of questioned uh, when he first got to Kansas City. I, I wasn't really a big fan of his preseason, but the Chiefs saw something in him that not many of us did and, and kept him around. He's been really great for the Chiefs this year uh, on defense. So, uh, you know, you've got great guys on the front seven, great defensive linemen and linebackers, and you've got a really great secondary with Marcus Peters, Philip Gaines, Steve Nelson, uh, Eric Berry, Sorensen, Parker, and I think what's so nice about defense is, is when you have that pass rush, when you have a, a top-notch pass rush and a top-notch group of defensive backs, they just go so well together. And that's why this Kansas City defense, ever since Andy Reid got here, they've been one of the best in the NFL in takeaways. 
And that front seven has been our big reason why. Justin Houston, when he comes back, I mean, he really was in his Pro Bowl form uh, after he got back. In the Bucks game, not so much, which was his uh, 2016 debut, but the week after against the Broncos, uh, he, he was back, and he definitely showed it against Trevor Simeon. Special teams, uh, listen, Cairo Santos really, to me, is the kicker that, I, I mean, I like Ryan Suckup. The Chiefs went through a lot of bad kickers. Uh, through a through a short stretch, and uh, it, it wasn't pretty. Ryan Suckup came in, did good, but even he had some short misses that I I, I kind of had a I, I scratched my head when I saw those. Cairo Santos to me has been the best kicker the Chiefs have had, uh, really since Lawrence Tynes, and I know Lawrence Tynes even had some bad kicks, uh, which led to his uh, release. It ended up with the New York Giants, but. Cairo Santos really is one of the best kickers in the NFL, and he even got a, a, a Pro Bowl invite. He, he is an alternate, which hopefully he won't need to go to, uh, meaning the Chiefs would end up in the Super Bowl. But uh, he's been great for the Chiefs. He's And here's the thing, going into the postseason, I know teams can be so eager to want to get the six instead of a three, but get the points when you can, especially when you've got a reliable kicker like Cairo Santos. And Dustin Colquitt, of course, uh, you know, people have joked that he was the MVP during some of the bad years the Chiefs have had. And Tyree Kill, you know, we all know what he's capable of. He was the best punt returner this year in the NFL. And had it not been for Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, he could have been the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL this season. I do want to ask one thing before uh, we go around the NFL out of bounds and throw some penalty flags. Uh, are you guys buying AFC West gear? Because to me, I'm not a huge fan of divisional gear or or, or Big Twelve, uh, Big Twelve clothes, any of that. To me, it's like okay, great, you won the the conference or the the division, great. But I wanna, I wanna win, you know. A, I wanna win a Super Bowl so I can wear a Super Bowl shirt and a hat, not a, not an AFC West hat. Tell me, it's like if you win the division and you're wearing their gear, it's like okay, cool, you went, you made it to the playoffs, but you didn't go far. To me, uh, as a Kansas Jayhawks fan, the Jayhawks win the Big Twelve every year, and fans are always buying, you know, Big Twelve champs shirts every single year. To me, I, the only time I bought a Big 12 shirt for, for KU was uh, my senior year in 2014 when they won 10 straight. For one, they won 10 straight, so that itself was pretty cool. And two, it's because that was my senior year. I wanted to take home a special moment from that last year I had at KU. Uh, and I'll be honest, I have not actually worn that shirt a whole lot. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of division or conference shirts, uh, but I have that in my closet still. I mean, it, it's a it's a piece of memory from uh, my senior year of college, something that I'll, uh, I'll cherish uh, forever, of course. Uh, you know, and I, and I made a joke with a friend of mine. I have a few K-State f- uh, friends. Uh, when K-State had one good year of basketball, they made it to the Sweet 16. All my K-State friends purchased the Sweet 16 K-State basketball shirts. It's like, great, you made the Sweet 16, but you didn't get past that. So, you know, me personally, I've never bought a Sweet 16 shirt. I, I'm Final Four shirts I've gotten before because, you know, a Final Four, I think that's that's so, that's so big itself. Uh, national Championship shirts, of course, the Orange Bowl shirts I've, I, I've had. Uh, World, the thing with the Royals is when they were on their postseason run, I waited until their season was over uh, to, to, to get anything. So in 2014, uh, once, the, once their season was over, they finish as runner-ups uh, in the World Series. I actually got the World Series sweatshirt. It, it, it just says World Series. Obviously not World Series champions. Same thing in 2015. Uh, I, I will say, though, the uh, shirts that said Kansas City wants it more, they had it for other cities as well with the uh, stadium in the background. That was actually pretty cool. It, it doesn't actually tell you what they won. I mean, it's just a Kansas City wants it more shirt. And it was actually referring to uh, the, uh, the league, the pennant. And I thought it was one of the coolest shirts, so I actually did get that one. And, of course, in addition to that, any World Series shirts uh, and, and hats uh, w- once they want it. Me, personally, I'm just not a big fan. I'd rather wait, and I know a lot of people mention, if the Chiefs, or maybe once the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, however you want to say it, win the Super Bowl, of course, Super Bowl gear will be out, and anything that's AFC West champions on it, that could be half off in a couple of weeks. So, I don't know. Uh... 
you know, I've always believed if you have your money, you work hard for it, you can spend it on, uh, as much as you want. If you want to get the AFC West shirt, the AFC Championship shirt, and the Super Bowl shirt, sure, go for it. Why not? Uh, it's your money. It's your right. Uh, me, personally, I just I just want the championship shirt, the actual championship of the whole league. Not the division, not the conference. I actually want the whole thing. And like I said, I, I've made a couple exceptions. I, I like that Royals uh, pennant shirt, the, the ones they released uh, for the MLB. And uh, the KU the winning 10 in a row, uh, that was my senior year. So th- that's something I wanted to take, take, to take home. But I haven't wore that as much. Because like I said, I'm not a fan of division or, or conference titles. Uh, or at least gears relating to those. And by the way, you know, while we're on the topic, KU's won the Big 12 for what, 12 years in a row? How many championships have they won from that? To me, winning those stuff are nice, and in pro sports, it's, it's more prominent because you have home games if you win your, your division, whereas in the Big 12, winning your conference doesn't mean you get a home game during the NCAA tournament. Unless you're just lucky enough that if the games are at Sprint Center, then you know, which then that still has nothing to do with your your conference success. But you get the idea. So me personally, I've been kind of curious. Uh, what are you doing? Let me know. Facebook.com/sportscasterfarzine, Twitter.com/sfarzine. Did you already buy them, or are you going to wait until the season's over to decide which uh, gear to buy? Or are you not a fan? Are you like me? Are you not a fan of division gear? Let me know what you think. Let's go around the NFL. All right, Chiefs exec Chris Ballard declined an interview request with the San Francisco 49ers for their open GM position. Uh, listen, man, uh, I, I I hate to say this because I know the Chiefs have kind of gone through this, but good for Chris Ballard because the 49ers are a complete mess. They just are. Uh, no Pro Bowlers this year, no key players. The whole Colin Kaepernick drama, I mean, that was the, that's the only reason people talked about the 49ers this year. Um, you fired head coaches in back-to-back years. Uh, Jim Tom Sula was a one-year coach, and Chip Kelly was a one-year coach. Uh, that team is in shambles. And Jed York, I was listening to his press conference, and uh, those reporters let him have it. They really let him have it. One reporter was asking, why isn't the uh, owner... Fired. I mean, the owner, which I had to laugh at that question, uh, but uh, the, the 49ers are going to be a really tough team to rebuild. I know the Chiefs had some bad years, but it's not like they were completely terrible. They had six Pro Bowlers the year they won two games. So when Andy Reid came here, he had talent to work with already. Same with John Dorsey. They just had to add a couple missing pieces to the puzzle, and boom, they went from 2-14 and 14 to 9-0. and 0. Okay, I've got to give you my MVP, and I know it's not the most exciting pick. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably one that a lot of people in the media are picking, and we've seen this MVP before. It's Tom Brady, okay? I know there have been so much made about the Patriots and their cheating scandals and all this stuff, and they keep winning. Listen... The Patriots have been the NFL's daddy for the past 17 years. And, you know, I, I, I kind of hope, in a way, that the Chiefs do face the Patriots to get that rematch to avenge last year's loss. Uh, but I'd rather have the AFC, AFC title game at Arrowhead if that could be a possibility. Uh, if the Chiefs are healthier, which last year they had a banged-up Justin Houston and Jeremy Macklin, who, who were limited in that game, uh, I, I'd like to see that rematch. But anyway, Tom Brady's your MVP. He didn't play the first four games and came into this season, took care of business. Only lost once with the Patriots. He tied seventh in passing touchdowns with 28. And the guy didn't even play much. All right, like I said, he missed the first four games, which is still a lot. To get 28 touchdowns after missing four games, that's impressive itself. Speaking of quarterbacks, one quarterback I want to touch on Kirk Cousins, who uh, had another good year with the Washington Redskins. He proved he was not a one-year wonder or anything like that. Uh, But listen, I'm not a big fan of the quarterbacks entering this draft. And listen, maybe the combine, we see some different things. But even in free agency, the best quarterback after Kirk Cousins is Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I mentioned this earlier this year on the podcast when we were looking at possible QBs for the Chiefs this offseason. Kirk Cousins is the only good available quarterback 
when you include free agency and the draft. Now, maybe there's a Dak Prescott who shines and we just don't expect it. You know, we, we can't see those things coming. As of now, the only good proven QB is Kirk Cousins. That's going to be available. So I'm going to be interested in seeing, especially with how players just have so much leverage and asking for money and, and general managers just never win that war. I'm interested in seeing how this whole contract thing goes with Kirk Cousins and how much money he ends up getting. Keep a close eye on that this year. Trust me, you'll want to see it. Let's go out of bounds. All right, look, uh, I know when the Chiefs were 1-5, nobody in Kansas City were talking about them because the Royals were in their postseason mode, and th- th- that was the year. People thought for sure the Royals could have won the World Series this time, which they did. And even when the Chiefs started that surge, that 11-game winning streak, early on, no one cared uh, because people were still in royal celebration mode. Uh, listen, I, I I get that people were really crazy about the Royals early on. I heard Alex Gordon was at a uh, an autograph event in downtown Kansas City, and almost nobody showed up from what I heard. This is not a baseball town. I, I know people fell in love with this baseball team. I did too. We all did. We Let's be honest, and there's nothing wrong with this. We all became baseball fans when the Royals got good. There's nothing wrong with that. I I mentioned earlier, I I went to KU. Listen, there's a reason why people pack the house for a basketball game at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, but nobody shows up for a football game. And rightfully so. That's how it works. The Chiefs didn't have any interest from fans uh, from 2007 through 2012. When Andy Reid came here, it all changed. The Chiefs have finished above 500 with Andy Reid every season. That's how it works. I get it. So listen, there's nothing wrong with that. But the Royals, man, I've got to say this. They haven't really done anything this year other than trade Wade Davis for an outfielder. I know Dayton Moore took a lot of heat, and so did the Glass family, for not really doing a lot, making any free agent splashes. Instead, they relied on... Really, on their on their own on themselves, you know, developing players in the farm system, having them improve and 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 dominate, and eventually getting to the big leagues and and making a splash on their own. So they really just developed a lot of young guys and got lucky getting the right guys. You just don't get lucky every single time. I know they went to the World Series back to back years and they were dominant, but I'm not seeing a lot of activity from this team. I'm really not. So I've just got to say this. I know people are still crazy about their World Series uh, celebration, even though it was more than a year ago, but I'm a little interested in 2017 because this team hasn't done much. I know they'll be getting Moustakas back, and hopefully Alex Gordon can play a full season. Uh, you know, Askey, the injury there also. Uh, I'm telling you, man, uh, this is, this is going to be a tough year for the Royals. You just can't rely on your players the whole time. Uh, and, and I think this year we're going to see maybe some unfortunate reality hit this team. Maybe I'll be wrong again like it was with the Chiefs, but at least with the Chiefs, you've been seeing some activity with them. Whereas the Royals, I'm not really seeing anything that strikes me and makes me get excited for this 2017 season. If, if you want to talk about how they won the World Series a couple years ago... Well, you're living in the past, and if you want success moving forward, you've got to live in the moment. You've got to live in the now, and right now, I don't really see the Royals making any big moves that makes me feel good about the upcoming season, so I'm a little nervous. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I, I'm not I'm not so sure we're going to have the, uh, the uh, jubi- jubilant fan base <laughs> that we've had the past couple of years. Out at the K. Hopefully, I'll be wrong because it's been great seeing how uh, how fans have been uh, with this baseball team and how they packed the house at, at Kauffman Stadium. And the Royals have dominated television ratings, the best uh, local ratings, uh, the past two years. And supposedly, the Royals are in a small market. So you be the judge there. I just kind of feel like with this upcoming season, you we haven't seen a lot of activity, and that makes me nervous. For the upcoming season. Alright, time to throw some flags. I've got only one flag to throw. And it's a topic I'm really passionate about. Here it is.
Okay, I talked about this last week, so I'm going to bring it up. It's Ronda Rousey and her not doing media. Now, UFC President Dana White was asked about this, and the reporter said, what the hell, why don't we get to talk to her? And Dana White made a lot of excuses, basically saying that Ronda had done more media than anybody, so we gave her an excuse when she asked for this request to not do it. And then, uh, you know, there, there was also the fact that the new owners of um, of the UFC, WMEIMG, they uh, are also the people who, I mean, they, they, they run her contract so that Ronda pretty much had leverage there because of them. And Dana White said, listen, they have nothing to do with this. All they do is own it. Now, let's, let's not be silly here. Owners can also have a word and say, they're the owners. They can always have a say in something. If Clark Hunt had to say something to Andy Reid about the play, I mean, he could go out there and, and say something. He's the owner. He's the boss. So let's not act like WMEIMG didn't have anything to do with Ronda getting excused from all this media. So there was all this talk about Ronda Rousey not doing any media for her big return at UFC 207. And listen, I, I know the media has this really bad image that, you know, they're the bad guys and there was a lot of talk. You know, anyone who was a big Trump supporter, they came out saying that the media made him look bad and that they didn't show what they should have shown in the election. And and I can see a point to that. I, I, I think the media, a lot of times, especially in America, you just don't see a lot of positive things. Instead, there's a lot of, there's a strong focus on, on negativity. So I can, I can understand that. But listen, man, with Ronda Rousey, she got knocked out bad, and she tried to berate uh, Holly Holm before that fight. She wrote this Instagram post trying to belittle her. Then she deleted it after she lost her title to Holly Holm. Now, a lot has happened with Ronda Rousey. She, uh, Misha Tate, who, who eventually became the champion, uh, Misha Tate went on Conan O'Brien and called her pouty, called her out, uh, made her look bad. Uh, Paige Van Zandt, who was a strawweight contender in the UFC, she apparently congratulated Holly Holm on a win, and uh, Ronda Rousey did not take kindly to that, so apparently Ronda Rousey confronted her and almost beat the crap out of her. I don't know exactly the whole story. There's a lot of rumors to it. Here's the thing. Ronda Rousey ducked the media because she did not want to answer some of those questions that... She didn't even talk after losing the fight. There have been a lot of players who have been knocked out. Misha Tate suffered a broken nose and still showed up to the press conference. She lost her title to the woman, Amanda Nunes, who beat Ronda Rousey. Which, by the way, if you're an MMA casual fan, remember the name Amanda Nunes. She's no pushover. She won that match for a reason, and she's been great for a long time. But anyway... Ronda Rousey, apparently the big reason Ronda Rousey didn't want to do media is because she didn't want to focus on anything else, she didn't want any distractions, and she just wanted to focus on the fight, okay? She got that request. She got her ass kicked in that fight by Amanda Nunes, okay? This is the last time that I ever want to hear anybody say that the media causes a distraction, because they don't. They absolutely don't. So this whole thing about Ronda Rousey and wanting to stay away from distractions so she could focus on the fight. No, that, that, that was, she got what she asked for, still got killed by Nunez in that fight. And really with the, with, the, with the tough act that she has, like she's better than everyone, she deserved that. She really did. Now people are saying, oh, she, she won on Conan, she won on Ellen. She's friends with Ellen. She's friends with Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien and Ellen are not, Jimmy Kimmel, all these guys, they're not reporters. They're not going to ask those hard-pressed questions. They're there to actually try to make the show funny. Now with Ellen, you know, there's always the personal side of things that you get with their guests sometimes. But overall, that's not, that's not a place where they're going to ask those difficult questions. So... Let's be honest, those are not real interviews there. You, those are just comedy guests, their feature appearances. That's what they are. So these reporters, they, they know that they've got some tough questions for Ronda and she doesn't want to answer them, which is funny. It's kind of like Richard Sherman. He's great one moment and he's always he's, he's got his mouth open. But the next moment when he loses, he's not there. That's the exact same thing with Ronda Rousey. And I just don't have respect for anybody who does that. I give props to guys like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Wayne Gretzky, Tom Brady, anybody. 
in all of sports who have been great and who have fallen, they still show up and do their interviews. I give Cam Newton a little bit of a pass last year because Chris Harris was right across from him when they were doing his interviews, which I don't know why you have players in the same room doing interviews. I just don't know why that was allowed at last year's Super Bowl. Overall, you've got to be able to... If you're going to have this tough act and, and face the media... Or, or, or try to act like you're better than everyone... D- do your interviews then. Back it up. She wasn't able to. She loses the fight and immediately bolts the octagon and the arena, apparently. That's okay. Some people can't face the truth. Uh, I mean, they they, they have the, they self-contradict themselves, they're hypocrites, and that's one of my pet peeves in life. And that's Ronda Rousey. That's who she is. I mean, her true colors really were really shown this past week, the past two weeks with the UFC. That'll do it for the Chiefstone Podcast. I am Farzim Vesugian. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash sportscasterfarzine. You can also follow me on Twitter at farzine21. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about it. Later this week, we will talk about all of the playoff action, including the games between the Steelers and the Dolphins. That'll be a Sunday game, Sunday noon. Saturday, the first NFL postseason game is going to be Raiders-Texans. That'll be at 335 and uh, you've also got the Lions and Seahawks, Giants, Packers. I'll talk about them as well because you never know. You could play one of those teams in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs will either play the Raiders, Texans, or Steelers. They will not play the Dolphins because if the Dolphins do come out uh, victorious, then the Patriots get the lowest-seeded team, and the Dolphins would be going on to New England. So it's either going to be the Steelers, Raiders, or Texans. We'll talk about which team could come to Kansas City. Kansas City's first playoff game will be on Sunday, January the 15th. That'll be a 12.05 kickoff game on NBC. So uh, that is exactly two weeks for the Chiefs to prepare for Uh, either the Raiders, Texans, or Steelers. Which, by the way, one last piece of news before I sign off. Andy Reid report out there uh, from uh, the AP, uh, the Associated Press, that uh, Andy Reid gave his team the week off, so no practices, no team meetings. They get the week off. Do you like that? I've got to admit, I'm a little nervous. I don't want an entire week off. At least have him come for a couple days. But uh, listen, Andy Reid's 3-0 coming off a bye week in the playoffs, so maybe he knows what he's doing. We'll see. I'm Farzim Vesugian. This is the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Interact with me on social media. I will talk to you guys later this week. Take care.